Hello, as Elijah has said, my name's Nicola and I'm part of the church family here. Uh, this evening's Bible reading can be found um, in John chapter 15, uh, from verse 1 to 17, which can be found on page 1083 um, on the Bibles in front of you, if you'd like to follow. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that, it, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must re remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands, and remain in his love. I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete my command is this love each other as i have loved you greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends you are my friends if you do what i command i no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business instead i have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Thank you, Nicola. And thank you to all those who came to share. I think you teed up that reading and this message really well. Um, my name's Chris Webb, I'm one of the ministers here, and we're in a series in John's Gospel. We've got to chapter 15. Uh, but before we dive in, I want to introduce you to a historical figure. Uh, he was born in France, in eastern France, in 1614, and he died in 1691. And what he's known for is a little book called The Practice of the Presence of God. And in this book, Brother Lawrence, as he's known, uh, he was a monk, he shares what it means to abide in Christ or remain in Christ. And this is the phrase that dominates our text. The word came up 11 times in English. <clears throat> I think it's 10 times in the Greek. Uh, but 11 times in the English. So tonight, we're going to talk a lot about what it means to live a life that is close to Jesus Christ, gaining our sustenance and joy 
from him. Sorry, but God's given me the voice that I always wanted right now. I've got a bit of a husk, but uh, if you bear with me. <clears throat> it looks like we've got to the place uh, in John's gospel where Jesus and his disciples have left uh, the room where the Last Supper took place, and they're on the way to the garden where Jesus is going to be arrested. And Jesus is preparing them for the time when he's not going to be with them anymore. He's going to die. He's going to rise again and ascend to heaven, but then he's not going to be with them anymore. And yet, he tells them, you can remain in me and abide with me. The text that we read, the 17 verses, really breaks down into two parts. The first part concerns our relationship with Jesus, and the second part, our relationship with church, with, with brothers and sisters. So we'll look at it this evening in those two parts. First of all, our relationship to Jesus. And first of all, we learn who Jesus is and what he does. Have a look at verse one. I am, this is the sixth of seven I am statements. Uh, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. <clears throat> so I am the true vine. Now, in the Old Testament, Jesus is riffing off of that all the time in his teaching. Israel was called the vine. And actually on some coins, Jewish coins, you can see uh, the vine there. Israel was called the vine. And uh, in a passage in Isaiah chapter 5, God goes looking for fruit in his vine. The fruit that he's looking for is righteousness and justice. And yet, he says, instead, when I look for that fruit, I saw bloodshed and I saw distress. So Jesus is riffing off this passage and he says, I am everything that Israel was meant to be. I am the personification of justice and righteousness. Those words mean something because they are what Jesus is. And also he supplies life. He supplies life to the branches. As we're connected to him, we bear fruit, but he supplies the life that bears the fruit. So we learn about Jesus, who Jesus is and what he does. We also learn about the Father, who he is and what he does. My Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch. This is pruning that bears no fruit. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So there are two things that the Father does that are important for us to know. One is that God takes away fruitless branches. And the other thing is that God prunes fruitful branches. He cuts away the lifeless and he cultivates the living. Now, I think that Jesus is preparing his disciples for two things that will come, defection from the inside and persecution from the outside, sham from the inside, suffering from the outside. And so one of the things he's saying is don't think that the defectors, the Judases, the false disciples will succeed, that they will be broken off. My father is the gardener and he has it under control. The word prune also means to clean, and God makes sure that his vine is clean. 
So we see what, who Jesus is and what he does. We see who the Father is and what he does. We also see who we are and what we do. Really in verses five to 11, <clears throat> Jesus says again, I am the vine, you, that is disciples of Jesus, are the branches connected to the vine. And we see what the gardener wants of us. He wants us to bear fruit. Now here's the good news. When we're connected to Jesus, there is potential for great fruit in all of our lives. Uh, Paul Alcock referenced the fruit of the Spirit. Paul the Apostle tells us the ninefold fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Not fruits, but fruit that grows together. And Jesus is saying, I am the key to this. How can a bigot become an understanding and gentle person? How can a controlling, manipulative person become a liberator? How can a slothful person become self-controlled and disciplined and committed? How can a coward become courageous? It's connection to Jesus. And the good news is that Jesus is saying to all of us tonight, I am committed to taking my pulsating life and hooking you up to it so that my life can flow through you. So in verse four, we've got that word that's repeated four times, remain. In other translations of the Bible, it's abide. What does it mean? Well, from day to day, I know that me changing to become more like Jesus, which is discipleship, is a very slow, complicated process. Unfortunately, I'm not just gonna wake up one day and be this new, Christ-like, wonderful person. Some of you have had a quick conversion experience. For some of you, there was a marked difference in the way you were and the way you are now. Shortly after your conversion, you could see, wow, I, I'm completely different. Others of you have had a more slow burn conversion. You grew up around church. You've become an adult. And maybe you're at the stage where you're like, whoa, what is this really all about? Whether your experience of the Holy Spirit has been slow burn or a quick ignition, a year goes by, three years go by, five years go by, decade goes by. And I think when you mature and those years go by, you actually realize more and more the deep flaws that exist in your character and the way you deal with things. They keep coming back. I've been a Christian now for 27 years. I became a Christian at, at the University of Leicester, I invited by someone to attend a meeting. My dad was an atheist and God met me there. But do you know, I see more flaws today in my character, things I've inherited from my family of origin bad habits that I struggle to quash. And often I think to myself, why isn't more of this fruit growing in my life? Why doesn't God bonk me on the head and make it happen? Have I really changed at all? I've given you the good news, but the realistic news is this. You're not gonna pray one night 
and have no more anger problems, or problems with money mismanagement, or problems with addictions, or problems in how you deal with people who are very different from how you are. Fruit-bearing and growth is an underground, slow, gradual process. But it is inevitable when you're connected to the vine. From the teaching of the New Testament, there is a battle between the old you and the new you. And what you need to do is remain in Christ as he remains in you, so that slow, long, inevitable process of fruit producing can continue. Let's get a bit practical about it. Abiding in Christ, remaining in Christ, means, as Paul was saying, committing to an intention to allow his word to fill our minds, direct our wills, and transform our affections. And that probably will involve the discipline of having a, a daily time with God where you intentionally commit to enabling that to happen. And then, as the text says in verse 7, you can begin to pray in a way that's consistent with the will of God. Look at verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Allowing his words to fill us as we memorize scripture, as we meditate on scripture, as we commit each day to read scripture and spend time with God, we can then ask for whatever we wish because those requests become in line with his wishes as we're filled with his word. Now, one thing that often mitigates against this remaining this abiding and therefore fruit producing is the busyness and drivenness of our lives. Historically, the church has always taught about the need for solitude, for silence. And I think we, we need more of that than ever today in the age of the smartphone. I want to introduce you to a a uh, Christian preacher and writer called John Mark Comer. Some of you have read his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. He ha has a website called Practicing the Way. On that website, he talks about the need to have these personal disciplines in our life, like daily Bible reading, praying, church attendance, small group uh, committing to that, rhythms to help us to remain and abide. There's a, a, a one minute, 30 second little clip of John Mark Comer that I'd like you to watch now. Jesus said, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. Paul, later in Galatians, I think riffing on Jesus' well-known teaching on abiding in the vine, said the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, after saying the same thing, like keep in step with the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, live in the Spirit, which is kind of Paul language for abide or remain. And again, a rule of life is just a schedule and a set of practices and relational rhythms that makes space in your life with a phone and busyness and a job and children or friends or demands and responsibilities, actually makes space for you to slow down 
and live from this inner place of abiding in Jesus. And so the byproduct is a flourishing life. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, it's patience, it's kindness, it's gentleness, it's faithfulness, it's self-control as you just live in the goodness of life with Jesus in the kingdom. And I actually think it's greater impact in the world through what I call contemplative leadership, which is where you lead not out of a place of ambition or just visionarying or ego, but really out of places and spaces of quiet listening prayer and discerning from God. It's been said that the opposite of contemplation is an action, it's reaction. And there's a lot of reactive leadership in the world that's just reacting to anxiety, to criticism, to the latest trend or fad or church growth thing or whatever. But this kind of contemplative leadership that's thoughtful, that is hearing the voice of God, that is getting like what God's direction is for your life, even day to day or year to year, that I think has a profound result in action out to the world, like acts of love in the world. Yeah, John Mark Comer, in his book, The Ruthless Elimination of, of Hurry, he, he asks us to think about the conversations we often have. How are you? Yeah, you know, really busy. <laughs> Does it sound familiar? We are incredibly busy. And I think, as a generation, we are incredibly exhausted deep within our souls. When was the last time you weren't really busy? <laughs> or when was the last time you stopped and you're just delighted in the fact that God runs this world and you don't, that he's the gardener, that he has it under control. Or when was the last time when you were present to a moment without thinking of the next thing on your schedule? This isn't busy shaming, but if we're to truly abide in the vine, then the problem of busyness is a hindrance. Now, of course, Jesus had times when he was extremely busy. And as, as his apprentices, there are times when, you know, we need to lean in. But Christ's relationship with his father was so important that Luke tells us that he often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. It's, it seems like when, when intense seasons arose in the life of Jesus, he made it his intention to spend some time away with his father and his own spiritual formation became intentional. Now, of course, we're not Jesus, but a question that we could ask is, if Jesus were me, what would his spiritual life and practices look like? If Jesus were me, what would his spiritual life and practices look like? I think we need to start where we are. Have a think about your own rhythms, your own spiritual practices, or lack of them maybe. And think to yourself, what is a reasonable first step in having more intentional practices to spend more time with Jesus? Maybe I could spend time each morning in prayer or Bible reading, or play the app, Electio 365. Maybe another step for you is to add an evening time of prayer, an examine where you look at the day, you replay, you repent, and you resolve what you're going to do tomorrow. Who was it who was standing here saying, I'm not a, very, I'm not a naturally disciplined person? Keris. I resonate with you, Keris. 
I'm a type nine on the Enneagram. Any other type nines here? Not naturally a very disciplined person. Type ones are naturally very disciplined, naturally. Uh, find that sort of organization more natural. But I do commit to beginning each day and ending each day uh, with prayer, with Bible reading. And in terms of adding on, for that, on from that, since lockdown, I've been trying to read a psalm in the middle of the day and think about it. Because I'm a minister and I have some more flexibility in my schedule, I make it a priority at least once a week to go for a two-hour walk and spend time with the Lord. I couldn't do that when I was a school teacher. Um, in Thailand, we needed to be at, at school 7.15. The school day went on till 4 o'clock. Um, then I used to get out on my bike after school and, and cycle um, at least once a week on a school night and once a week on the weekend and spend some time with the Lord. Pete Scazzero is another um, author, speaker, who gives guidance on how to create this kind of rule of life, which is a trellis or uh, sort of rhythms that you are going to try and commit to. And he says, here are some questions uh, to personalize your rule of life. So what do you currently do that nurtures your spirit and fills you with delight? Uh, Patricia said she loves to, to go walking. Yeah, I love to do that. It, it brings me life. You can use that, that time. What people, places uh, do you need to avoid? And what have-tos, what things do you have to do right now? Uh, if, you, if you have very small children, then there's some have-tos there that affect your rhythms. To answer those questions, because your rule of life, your rhythms won't be the same as somebody else's. If you really want to press into this more, at Above Bar Church, we have a, a school called Formation School, which is a, a one-year discipleship program. And the second track uh, is all about this spiritual formation. It dives deeper into some of these practices of relational union. And folks, we need it. <laughs> Just like the De Desert Fathers in the fourth century where the Roman world was falling apart. We, we need this right now. Another writer, Dallas Willard, wrote this. Spiritual disciplines are for disciples, apprentices of Jesus, not for dabblers or mere consumers. They're for people who intend to learn from Jesus how to live their whole lives in the kingdom of God as he would live their lives if he were they. Such people are serious about this and will not be denied. I wonder, are you serious? Are you serious about following Jesus? Because our first priority as disciples of Jesus is our relationship with him, is abiding in him so that we can bear fruit. And the, the most basic thing we can do is to keep God before our minds. David knew about this, the writer of many Psalms, and in Psalm 16 he said, I have set the Lord continually before me, and because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and I rejoice, and my flesh will dwell securely. This is how uh, Paul put it in 1 Thessalonians 5, 
uh, verses 16, 17, 18, he says this, rejoice always, pray continually, conversation with Jesus all day, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Perhaps it, it sounds Uh, more plain in the New Living Translation that goes like this. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. So this is what Jesus is talking about when he talks about abiding in the vine, our relationship with him. Secondly, and very much more briefly, I promise, is our relationship with our church community, which is the thrust of verses 12 to 17, if you just want to, to flick to that. Verses 12 and 17, Jesus there tops and tails his teaching with a command, love one another. If you want to be fruitful, if you want to be obedient to Jesus, love people, bear with people, forgive people, work for the joy of of people, work for the flourishing of people, show grace to people, show an interest in people, ask people questions, try as best you can to, to be warm with people, smile at people, and then battle resentment. Battle those negative, proud thoughts you have about others. Battle the desire to tear them down in your mind. Battle that impulse to see your brother or sister as some kind of competitor. Love. Love your brother and sister. Bear with. Forgive. So much wisdom in the Proverbs. Let me give you one proverb. 19 verse 11. A person's wisdom yields patience. It's to one's glory to overlook an offense. That's talking about bearing with people. It doesn't mean that we never challenge or we never rebuke, but there are times when people are going to annoy us because people are so different from us. And we need to bear with that and deal with that. New Living Translation puts it this way, sensible people control their temper and they earn respect by overlooking the wrongs of others. Jesus says a fruitful life means laying down your life for people. Verse 12, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, no, has no one than this to lay down one's life for my friends, for one's friends. You are my friends. This is what Jesus has done for us. He's laid down literally his life for us. He counts us as his friends. He's laid down his life for us, bearing our guilt and shame. And he wants us to to do the same, to lay down our lives for others. And he wants us to do this with joy. Verse 11, I've told you this so that your joy, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Tim Keller says that, that below every sin is the sin that we don't have joy in Jesus Christ. So we need to cultivate that joy above 
everything else we do as disciples. The whole passage could be summed up, John 15, verses 1 to 17, as enjoy Christ as you love others. So folks, we've seen that Jesus is the vine. He's the source of our spiritual lives. The Father is the gardener. And sometimes we need to submit to his pruning, that is, trials in our lives. We're the branches. We need to remain in him to bear fruit. Being branches in the vine doesn't mean that we become the all-enabling vine. It means that we're united to his life, his joy, his peace, and his love. Not just that we have some joy and peace and love, but because we're in him, we have his life and his joy and his peace because he is in us. And therefore, I I urge you and I urge myself, knowing how far I fall short, to abide in him. That is to keep on enjoying him, to have practices that intentionally make that a priority, that his joy is your joy. So keep on enjoying him and his peace is your peace and keep on enjoying him and his love as your love. Let's have a a time just to reflect on this. Maybe you want to reread the passage. Maybe you want to underline all those times it says remain. Let's just have a moment of quiet and reflection.